got to welcome you as well here today. I'm Peter Salmon. I'm our lead pastor here, and uh, it is a great, it's a great Sunday to be together. Uh, for those of you that have been coming the last few weeks, you know that this is Commitment Sunday for our Everyone Every Day vision campaign, and uh, this is a defining moment in the life of our church. It's going to be a time uh, for us to con- consecrate ourselves, to devote ourselves, to set ourselves apart uh, for Jesus and, and the mission that he has for us. And so over the past few weeks, I've asked you, we've asked you to, to pray and to prepare your hearts, uh, to pray for those that uh, you love, that you're sharing life with and helping in their journey of discovering Jesus, to, to pray uh, for how God is leading you to come together with the rest of your church family and to be a part of helping us be unhindered in the years to come as a movement of disciples who make disciples. And so I know that many of you are uh, spiritually prepared today to uh, make that pledge commitment. We've asked everyone uh, to pray about how God might be leading you to, to give between now and the end of 2025, December 2025. And we're making those uh, pledge commitments, not those, those gifts necessarily today, but those, those pledges um, today about how God is leading us to give. Maybe you brought your commitment card with you from a couple weeks ago. Maybe you have it already filled out. Uh, Maybe you don't have that yet, and it's in the seat back pocket right in front of you, or if you're sitting in the riser area, it's right kind of underneath your seat, and you can can take that and um, have that for later. I'll walk through kind of step by step that uh, commitment process for us today and kind of explain how that's going to work at the end. And if you're a guest today, what a Sunday to come uh, this morning. So uh, we just want to encourage you, don't feel awkward. This is kind of a family meeting. Don't feel put on the spot. I promise this isn't something that we do every single Sunday. We've done it like twice in the last 20 years. Um, But we are super honored to have you as part of this special day. As most of you know, we've been looking at Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 4, looking at Jesus and how he called these everyday ordinary disciples. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they leave everything, they leave their boats and they follow him. And that's kind of where our everyone everyday theme comes from. This picture of everyday fishermen and Jesus says, I'm gonna make you fishers of people, fishers of men. And so what does it look like for us to recapture that vision of everyone and everyday Fisher of men. Now, I think um, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to this idea of fishing for people. You know, when we think of fishing, uh, we think of this, right? Um, Oh, okay, gotcha. Hope you're awake, paying attention. Uh, When we think of fishing, we think of an individual sport. Something that I'm going to grab my fishing pole and go out by myself up to the lake or up to the river and catch me some fish. But in Jesus' day, that's not the kind of fishing that they did. See, in Jesus' day, fishing wasn't an individual sport. It was, it was a team sport. Uh, it was, oh, wrecked the boat display. All right. Uh, it, was, it was not an individual sport. It was a team sport. See, if I'm trying to fish with this net by myself, how effective am I going to be? I can't fish by myself with a net. Um, What's needed, and their nets were much, much larger than this. What would be needed was for 
a, a boat full of fishermen and every single fisherman would be needed on the net. All hands on deck. And everyone pulling, everyone drawing in the nets together. And so for us today, when we hear that call, follow me and I will make you fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. We think this. Jesus thought this. That's what the original disciples would have thought. They would have thought, this is a team sport, not an individual sport. And so we see this play out. Later on, as Jesus calls his disciples, as he uh, goes to the cross, they walk with him for three years, if you're familiar with the story, and they watch everything he does and learn from him. And then he goes to the cross and does what no one else can do, no one else could have ever done, die for the sins of the world as the son of God. And then he rises from the dead, has victory over sin and death, and uh, he appears after his resurrection to about 500 of his followers, to his disciples and about 500 others. And then, just as he told them he would do, he goes and ascends uh, to heaven to be with his father, the exalted, victorious king. And one of Jesus' last instructions to his disciples was to wait in Jerusalem and to wait for him to send the Holy Spirit to them, the third person of the Trinity, to send the Holy Spirit to them to empower the church for his mission. And, and it says in Acts 1.14 that these disciples, they all were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. We found out in the next few verses that they, um, there was about 120 of them at this point. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 this morning if you have a Bible. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen behind me. But we're going to see in Acts chapter 2 a picture, another picture of everyone every day. Everyone together in unity. These everyday fishers of men, everyday disciples, and the movement of disciples who make disciples that we see take place. And just, it's important for us to notice that as, as Jesus sends his disciples out, they don't just go individually kind of scatter about and each try to go out and make a disciple or two. No, it, they come together. They're all together in one place. They come together in prayer. And on, on the day of Pentecost, the feast of, of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they're again uh, all together, everyone in unity. And as we continue in Acts chapter two, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Peter preaches his first uh, sermon, and 3,000 people in that one day come to faith in Jesus. I can't even imagine that. And imagine if you were part of the original 120, what that would feel like, right? Your church just grew by like 25 times in one day. How would you react to that? How would you respond to that? Some people today would say, oh, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know. Any, I, I, don't, I don't know everybody anymore. There's 3,000 now, not 120. I don't know if I want to be a part of a large church. 
Or, or some would even say today, they'd say, ooh, 3,000 people, that's, uh, that's one of those mega churches, right? Right? One of those mega churches that, you know, waters down the gospel. And, you know, and, and, but no, this large church, this large uh, community of believers, 3,000 plus in one day, they come together and continue to stay together in unity. Go ahead and look at Acts chapter two, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Everyone together. They're all together. And I mean, it's impressive enough that 120 of them were able to come together and be in unity at the beginning of Acts chapter two. But by the end of Acts chapter two, 3,000 plus together in unity. I mean, this is incredible. And this isn't some sort of superficial unity. They're deeply devoted to one another. And this, this kind of unity is the foundation of a movement of disciples who make disciples that would transform the world from that point on. As I look at the unity of the early church here, I wanna point out just three different aspects of their unity. I'm sure there's more than three aspects to their unity here, but I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna stick with three points um, this morning. Um, but three aspects to their unity that we can notice. First, it's, it's biblically-based unity. It's biblically-based unity. There's a lot of talk about unity and a lot of talk about how divisive things are in our culture today, but it's, the unity is around the apostles' teaching, around the truth. Um, it, it's not the kind of unity you have in like a club, like a knitting club, or uh, it's not the kind of unity you have when you show up to a and I Panthers game and you're like, hey, we're all Panthers fans. That's great, but it's pretty surface level, right? This is a unity around the apostles' teaching. And what are they teaching? Well, they're teaching about Jesus. They're teaching about all the things that later they would write down in the gospels and, and, and write down in the, the letters of the New Testament later on. The church is coming together in unity with the truth of the scriptures as their foundation. It's a biblically-based unity. And, and right now we live in such a divisive time, such a divided world. Um, I mean, we, we can't agree on some of the most basic foundational realities about life. And we can't figure out even how to do some of the most basic functions of government. Like we can't even figure out how to have like a speaker of the house. I thought that was just like basic, right? There's no unity in our society. And, and what we're really seeing around us is that there's, there's not a common foundation for reality and for truth. And when there's no common foundation, there's no unity. And there is no greater foundation. There is no other lasting foundation than the eternal word of God. The authoritative, inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. 
And so many of the struggles that we see around us and so many of the struggles that we even see in, in churches is that people have strayed from the foundational truth of God's word. And for us here at Trinity, you know, if you've been here, that, that we have an enduring commitment to God's word, uh, to the authority and truth of scripture. And so many people have told me um, that what they love about this church is that we, we teach straight from the Bible. We teach God's word and we, we explain it for, for uh, our times today and apply it to ourselves today. And some of you even said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced of everything that the Bible says at this point. I'm still wrestling with it, but I still like that you're honest and upfront about what the Bible says. And let me, let me tell you, straight up this morning, that our commitment to the Bible is gonna be unchanging here. No matter how much we grow, no matter how big we get, uh, our commitment to the Bible isn't changing because the minute that changes, we lose the power of our message and we lose our unity and this church would die. So there's biblically-based unity. Second, there's relational unity here. We see them devoted to one another, coming together, they're uh, having fellowship and, and breaking of bread together. And, and you can have um, a sense, a semblance of biblically-based unity as a church or as a movement of disciples. You can agree to the same, maybe biblically-based uh, set of beliefs or doctrinal statement but some of you have experienced environments or communities or churches where even though maybe there's agreement around a shared set of beliefs, it's just, it's just toxic. And there's, there's gossip and backbiting and suspicion and no one wants to be around each other. But this Acts 2 church, they, they seem like they really like each other. Like they're actually spending time together, coming together. It's not just a bunch of individual sort of lone ranger disciples going out to try to make a disciple or two. This is people that love each other deeply and are in unity and they seem like, man, they are having the time of their lives. And I'm reminded, I'm so thankful for what the choir shared with us this morning, the song they sang this morning. And I'm reminded of Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 35, when he said that by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And it's encouraging to hear so many uh, stories of people that just say, you know, I love the environment here at Trinity. And man, I love coming here. And I love even, even just any time I can spend with our church family, being at 14 different dessert nights uh, over the past few weeks and interacting and mingling with 400 different people. Man, it's just so fun. You guys really seem to like each other. That's just my perception. Maybe that's not true. I think it's true. Um, you guys seem like you love each other, and there's a unity relationally here, and I think that shows. But thirdly, there's biblical unity, relational unity, but the unity doesn't stop there. Thirdly, there's, I don't know what else to call it, but financial unity. Maybe there's a, a less on the nose term for it. But it seems like as they come together, this unity goes deep. It says in verse 44, all the believers were together, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so they are radically generous towards the needs and the mission of the church. This is not a shallow, superficial unity. It's a unity that actually requires great sacrifice, selling property, possessions, sacrificing their time to meet together in the temple and in homes and praising God together. This is not like this heaviness of like, oh, we're all sacrificing together. No, they're joyful. They're praising God together. They're giving up something they want for something they want even more. And then as they're doing this, as everyone is together, it says in verse 47 that every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Every day the Lord is adding to their number. God is working to save people through the ministry and activity of this church. As they rub shoulders with people in their community, as the gospel becomes this sort of worst kept secret among the people in Jerusalem. You know, every day, God is at work and people are repenting of their sins and coming to faith in Jesus and what he did for them in his death and resurrection. And so a church that is, is unified together can be a powerful force. This kind of disciple-making movement came in the wake of everyone together in unity. Every day, the Lord is adding to their number. But, but do you see how what comes before is this amazing picture of unity, not just around biblical truth, but, but relationally and financially as well. And so a, a church that is unified like this can be, can be a powerful force for the mission of Jesus and for the glory of God Every day, people are added to their number. And we think today, and it, it seems like this kind of movement is so rare today. And maybe that's because it's so rare to see God's people really, truly be in this kind of unity together. What if, what if the greatest barrier... And, and what if the greatest obstacle to the spread of the gospel and the effectiveness of the church is not, is not the rise of social media or the distractions of smartphones. Uh, it's not politics. It's not who's president or not. That's not the reason. What if the greatest obstacle to seeing more movements of disciples who make disciples today is a lack of unity among disciples of Jesus? And what if, what if we don't often see the picture of Acts 2.47 because we're not often seeing the picture of the unity that comes before it? And I believe here at Trinity, we are being called to demonstrate the power of our unity in Jesus. And what, what will God do when his church comes together? Not as 500 plus individuals, with our own individual mission and vision, but as a united body in unity with one another, in deep, devoted unity to one another, everyone, every day, 
right? And, and maybe God will do among us what he did through the Acts 2 church. Everyone together every day, and then every day, people are coming to faith in Jesus. And that's, that's my heart and prayer for us, is that just we would have more people coming and putting their faith and trust in Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and every other day of the week than we do on Sundays when we all gather together. And I've heard so many stories of you of everyday disciples leading their, their friends, people they love to Jesus uh, in a restaurant or in a coffee shop or at the gym even or in a teacher's lounge. And so just, just imagine what's possible when we come together in unity around God's word and around his mission. And there, there's so much power in that kind of unity. I heard this the other day that one of the largest, strongest horses in the world is a Belgian draft horse. And they actually do competitions where they see how much a Belgian draft horse can pull. And one Belgian draft horse by themselves can pull 8,000 pounds. Wow, these horses, they don't skip leg day, right? Uh, 8,000 pounds, one horse, four tons. So how much can two Belgian draft horses pull together? You know how to do this, right? This is just simple math, word problems that you grew up doing. If one Belgian draft horse can do, pull 8,000 pounds, how much can two Belgian draft horses pull? And you're like, I got this one. I know this one, 16,000 pounds. Wrong. Two Belgian draft horses, if they're raised together and learn to pull together and learn to be unified together, can pull 32,000 pounds. Four times what they would be able to pull individually. And so for us here today, the question is, and it's an open-ended question, what is it that's really possible when a church comes together, everyone together in unity around Jesus, when everyone pulls together in the same direction? What is it that's possible? And we should, we should acknowledge probably close to 40% of our church is new in the last year or so. And so um, I just think of the Jerusalem church though, you know, 3,000 of them were new. And they came together in unity. And, uh, and maybe you're still not sure this morning. Maybe you're still not sure about this church. Maybe you need to kick the tires a few more Sundays or uh, come to a next steps class or talk with one of our pastors. I don't know. Um, but I just, I just invite you. I just encourage you. But this is a season where we, we want to encourage unity together, everyone together, an everyday fisher of men, and everyone together making everyday sacrifices so that we can be unhindered as a movement of disciples who make disciples in the years to come. And so in a few moments, uh, we're going to have a time of commitment. We're gonna, we're gonna come together and make our commitments to the everyone everyday vision campaign. And more than that, make our commitments to the Lord. And so we're gonna do this in the style of 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, it's an example for us of a building project that happened in the Old Testament, a little bit larger scale than what we've done here. It was the temple. Um, but in 1 Chronicles 29, let me just read for you kind of how they went 
about this. In 1 Chronicles 29, David um, goes first. And he brings, actually, he trucks in 100 tons of gold for this project, right? Pretty impressive. Um, and then he says to the leaders of Israel, he says, okay, now your turn. He says, who will volunteer to consecrate himself before the Lord today? And the leaders of the households, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. For the service of God's house, they gave 185 tons of gold, and it just continues on, describing everything that they gave and their generosity. But then look at verse 9. It says, the people rejoiced. The people rejoiced because of their leader's willingness to give, for they had given wholeheartedly. And so in that, in that style, following that model of leaders going first, you should know that on Friday night here, a good number of our leaders who could make it gathered together uh, to make their pledges in advance. It was a mix of you know, church staff and uh, some shepherding board members, stewardship team members, some small group members. And there were 35 households that made a commitment. And those cards are already up here this morning, kind of clipped on to these nets. And I, I think we can celebrate the total amount that was pledged by this group of leaders was $485,000. Um, let, let's celebrate and give the Lord glory for that. I just gotta say, I'm blown away by the generosity of our leaders as they came together on Friday night. And we saw that kind of unity Friday night as we came together saying and just heard stories of what God's doing. There was a, an incredible unity in the room around what God's doing and the future that he's leading us towards. And so these leaders have gone first and, and now we all have a chance together uh, to come together and unite around the mission of Jesus and giving our pledge, uh, making our pledge commitments. And so as a pastor, I've uh, asked you just to pray and uh, to pray about what God would lead you to give above and beyond for the next two years. And I, ho I hope you've done that. Again, we don't want anyone to give just out of compulsion or because everybody else is doing it. I want you to give because you're following God's leading and, um, <clears throat> and seeking God's direction. And I've said this a few different times that you know, even if we don't meet our $2.1 million goal in this vision campaign, if everyone is praying, everyone is seeking the Lord and everyone's being obedient, man, that, that's the goal, ultimately. Um, so for some of you, you may have come in already prepared. You may have come in with a number today of what you were going to pledge, but um, as God's leading you and as you're continuing to pray and as God's convicting you in the moment right now, um, maybe you're needing to rethink that and maybe you need a couple more days to think that through. And so you can just write still praying on that card um, if you take that, uh, actually, if everyone could take that commitment card uh, this morning and grab that today, um, there's a couple different sections on it. One is, is who's your one? Just who's someone that you're praying for that you'd love to have a chance uh, just to share life with and develop a relationship with in a deeper way and just help them in their journey of discovering Jesus and uh, 
We just think that as, as uh, we have a chance to impact and influence those around us, uh, just God does great things in our community. Um, and then secondly, the part is the, the commitment. Again, this isn't something you're giving today. This is a commitment of what you're being led to give over the next, over the next couple of years. And so you can fill that out. And if, you, if you're not sure on either of those uh, areas and either of those blanks, you can just write again. You can write still praying on the card. So I'm going to give you a moment to do this. Um, and then we're going to, I'm going to invite you forward and invite you to actually take those cards and uh, clip them to the nets. We have little clothespins up here that you can use to do that. Or you can just drop them in the baskets on either side. And I'll actually have you, uh, when you come forward, uh, I'll have you come uh, forward around the inside aisles, and then you'll go back around the outside aisles. Is that, is that good? Can we handle that? Uh, I've, I've watched some of you go through roundabouts, so I don't know. This is, I'm just, <laughs> I don't want to make it too complicated here, but <laughs> we're coming down through the inside aisles and then out and back through the outside aisles. And so then on this side is a, a canvas where people at our leadership gathering, at our prayer gathering last week, um, had a chance to just write the name or initials of someone that's their one that they've been praying for. And so let me, let me pray for you and then I'm gonna give you a moment, a couple minutes to fill out those cards if you need it. And then I'll give the signal and invite you forward. God, we just thank you for this opportunity Everyone together, everyone in unity. And not a superficial unity, not a shallow unity, but a unity that goes to the core. And so God, as we um, just think of how you have blessed us and how you've blessed our church, God, we, God, we just wanna be led by your spirit as to how you're calling us to be a part of what you're doing in this season. You can take a moment and fill out those cards. If you need time to pray, you can take time to pray. come forward in a moment. One quick thing that, uh, that I forgot is we have ushers in the back. Would you just wave your hands real quick? If you don't feel physically able to come forward, um, then just raise your hand and they'll come around with baskets for you. But now uh, is the time for us to come forward. Would you come?
was beautiful. Thanks for being here this morning. You are dismissed.